Good morning. How you doing this morning? I figured I'd just stand up here real quiet and see how long it would take for everybody to figure out what's going on. Good to have you here in the house of the Lord. It's a great day to be here to serve in the Lord. Hey, a couple of things I wanted to start out with. First is I, I'm Pastor Tim. I'm the executive pastor here at church. I always love having you here to, to serve the community, and we're doing a great job of different things we're doing to serve the community. One of my favorite new projects that we're working on, and you're doing a great job with, is we got this... Uh, I got this uh, letter writing campaign. I, want, I have a mission to all the teachers here at JF, and then next week we're gonna work on the teachers that go to Thomas Jefferson Elementary School. And if this goes well, Forest Middle School, and we can continue to reach out and write, write note cards of encouragement to teachers and, and staff and, and anybody who works for the school system. But you got these cards right here, and I've received a bunch of cards back this morning that have already been written on, written a, a note of encouragement to the teachers, the staff, the principals, the, the leaders here at uh, Tom, uh, Jefferson Forest High School. So if you have a pack of these that you grabbed last week, if you forgot them, that's okay. Just let me know that you got them, that you bring them back to me next week. But we want to get them all. If you, if you have a pack with you this morning and you want to hand them to me, I'm usually sitting in the back there. Uh, just find me and make sure I get these packs so we can get them back to the teachers so they can read the notes of encouragement. Realize that we as a church are praying for them individually by name. I think that's powerful to have a teacher, even if they're a non-believer, to know that there's a people who care for me, who pray for me, and they're thinking about me. That's a powerful moment for somebody to realize that, hey, I'm not alone in this journey in life. There's people who are praying for me. So, so get these cards back to me so we can get these to the uh, teachers. A uh, couple things. Uh, first thing, I'm going to get Stacy Bell. Ladies first. Come on up. Stacy has an announcement she wants to share with the, the ladies. Good morning. I'm uh, Stacy Bell, and my husband, of course, is Brad. Um, and I just wanted to welcome all um, of the ladies to join us on Thursday. Uh, Thursday night at 6.30, we will be having a women's kickoff 
uh, that you will get to actually meet and uh, hear from different life groups that will be taking place. Uh, some are especially for women um, and others are for anybody. So that's gonna be at 6.30 at the weight room. Um, and uh, those of you who are newer here, I'm not referring to weight room as we're gonna lift weights. Uh, it's the church office and uh, anyone uh, back here that's uh, serving would be happy to help you figure out exactly how to get there. Um, it's at 6.30, it's a soup and a salad. The church is going to provide the salad and the drinks. And if you would like to bring a soup um, to share with everybody, uh, please bring that with you. Um, we're asking that if it's something that's gonna need to be warmed up or whatever, we obviously don't have stoves and things like that there. So just bring a crock pot so we can plug it into the wall. Um, we'll have a bunch of strips there so we can plug in multiple crock pots and uh, share your soup with everyone and we will provide the salad. And if there, it's actually gonna be a real special night because we're gonna kick off our new theme for the year for the women. We just finished the diving in theme for summer and we're gonna be doing um, a special, um, I guess, display of what our new theme is going to be and it's gonna be amazing. So I just invite each and every one of you uh, women to come. If you have um, younger daughters, like around the 11, 12, 13, age they're more than welcome to come with you no problem at all um, and we're going to have worship we've got some live worship that's taking place um, and we're just going to have a, a actually we have a real special surprise possibly of someone who may either be joining us in person or they may be joining us on the big screen zoom if she can't make it in uh, so and she's got an amazing 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 testimony and how God's working in our life right now. Um, so we invite everybody to be there today after service. I don't know if somebody else is going to talk about this too, but today after service, Angie asked me to mention there will be a lot of life group leaders that will meet over here. They'll have their names on, uh, name tags on so you know who they are and you're welcome to, to talk with them and kind of find a life group, um, not just the women's, but there's gonna be other life group leaders over there too. So we hope to see all the women out this Thursday night, 6.30 at the weight room the, uh, over in Graves Mill, uh, right across from Western Ways in the Source 4 building. So please feel free to come. We can't wait to, to see you bring a pot of soup. All right, thanks. Thank you, Stacy. appreciate you giving that announcement. Uh, now, Rick Kennedy. Rick Kennedy's going to give a, something about FCA. All right, so thank you. We just had our second FCA football meal uh, this week. We had over 40 guys that stayed around and ate uh, and heard um, the gospel, heard, heard us telling about Jesus. So what a blessing that is. And, and so... As a church, I want to thank all those who have been participating in that, um, giving money to the uh, FCA uh, football meals and providing uh, some of the food. So I don't know if uh, Silver Baker is here, um, but she did the, the pasta meal. And then I had Becky Witt, Becky Wave for the cook. She did cookies. And then Crystal Irby right here. Wave, Crystal, everybody see you. Uh, they provided all the extras that went with that, and it was a phenomenal turnout. Um, what a blessing. We are to JF High School, uh, and that's what Impact wants to do. We want to reach this community, and it's going to start right here with JF, um, and so I thank you for that. 
There's uh, more envelopes over there. Uh, if you want to give just to the to the ministry of the food, uh, the Gatorade, uh, all the extras that we buy, we're, we're going to do a big hot dog uh, cook for them uh, this week. Um, so we already got that set up, and um, that's a great thing. But uh, with that being said, impact. Uh, there's also a sign-up still over here, and I do have that list. Uh, if you put your name on the list, I'm working right through the list, calling people every week. We're going to do this the whole season. So eventually you're going to get a call from me uh, asking, hey, um, this is what we need. Can you do this? Uh, cookies, desserts, mac and cheese, uh, whatever um, with that. So thank you for, for participating. Uh, be praying. Pray, pray for JF. Pray, pray for those that we're reaching uh, here uh, at this school. Um, it's a blessing to be here. Uh, I want to thank everybody on the setup team uh, every morning, every Sunday morning now at 8 o'clock. This place is like a bunch of busy beavers, man. People running all over, doing stuff, setting up the chairs, putting up the curtains, bringing all the electronic stuff out. Um, and it's a blessing for y'all to be here and have everything ready to go. And those that are on the uh, setup team, I, I just want to tell you thank you for serving. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, and that's it. I'm done. Thank y'all. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, and I, I, I second, thanks for everybody for fixing food, for giving money towards the FCA dinners. Uh, hey, you got young guys, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll do anything for food, right? They'll sit and listen to the gospel. Hey, if we're going to get some good spaghetti, I'll, I'll sit and listen, and, and who knows how the Holy Spirit will take that message. They're sitting there, they're eating, and they're hearing uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that can impact a young person's life and what that influence can have a ripple effect throughout this school. Um, so we got uh, a couple things I want to make sure I don't forget. Breakfast, we're going to have a, a church breakfast here in the cafeteria, uh, September 17th. So September 17th, put on your calendar, uh, 9-15, we'll be here. Uh, so a lot of, we've done this in the past. A lot of you guys have brought casseroles and, and breakfast items. We'll have donuts, we'll have bagels, we'll have uh, different stuff. But it's a great opportunity for everybody to get here early at 9-15 and have fellowship. So if you want to know more people in the church, come at 9-15 before church starts, and have a great opportunity to have fellowship, have breakfast, and have a good time. So that's uh, September 17th. Also, uh, Jeremy wanted to make sure I made an announcement, uh, no youth tonight. So tonight, there is no youth group. It's Labor Day weekend. Uh, spend some time with the family and enjoy your extra day of your uh, weekend. Celebrate Good Recovery is still meeting tonight. They meet at the weight room at 3 o'clock tonight, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock. All right, then uh, last, I want to go over some, we got some more life groups. So we're adding life groups every week. So we have people who are interested in leading a life group. And, and I want to emphasize, when we talk about life groups, life groups are not like, I'm going to have about 20 people, 25 people, 30 people. That's, that, a life group to me is, it could be a group of five or six or 10, right? Small group of people who get together to do life together. So we got some more life groups that we want to share with you this morning. Um, and Stacy's right. All the life groups have name tags on that shows their name the type of group that they have, and when they're going to meet. And all life group leaders, I don't know if you got the message, but at the end of church, life group leaders are over here. So as you want to get to know what kind of life groups we have available, and you want to ask more questions after church, go to the right side of the stage, and you can meet with the life group leaders. Now I'm going to get them to stand up so that can, you can see them, identify who they are. First is Hunter and Lizzie Thomas. Hunter and Lizzie Thomas, right in the back over here to the left corner. Uh, 
they're going to lead a life group for young couples and young couples with uh, young babies. So we got a lot of couples in this church now, and a lot of them with babies that are one year, you know, older or under. Um, but we want to get that group of people together, and Hunter and Lizzie are going to lead that. They're going to have it at their house. Uh, they're going to be meeting on Wednesday evenings. So see Hunter and Lizzie. They'll be up here and talk to them and ask questions. Uh, if you're a young couple, been married uh, five years or less, uh, and you have a, a child, uh, this is a great group for you to get together as you're doing life together and sharing experiences that you can encourage one another. In. And they're going to go through what Brad has uh, talked about, the Sunday uh, sermon. They're going to have those questions, and that's going to be the discussion is going to be based off the sermon of the week. So that's what uh, Hunter and Lizzie are doing. Uh, Aiden Jameson, Aiden Jameson over here. So Aiden, uh, he is at Liberty. He's studying to be a nurse, but he's got a lot of first responder background. He's been a first responder since he was 16. When they allowed him to do it, he probably would have done it sooner if he could have. But Aiden has a heart for first responders, so he's going to start a first responder life group uh, because he understands personally the stress that it goes through when you go to different unexpected scenes, and uh, he wants to be an encouragement. He wants to get first responders together so they can create a community. So see Aiden and talk about first responders. They're going to meet on Thursday evenings. Uh, Kim Cobb. Yep, Kim Cobb is in the back there. Kim is uh, one of our women's Bible study leaders. She's going to have a Bible study on Wednesday mornings. Uh, so get, uh, get with Kim and find out what her discussions are about. She's done a great job in the past and has a lot of great women that come together to study the Bible together. So see Kim Cobb about women's Bible study. Angela Witt, Angela Witt, over here, my wife. So she's also, yeah, she's smiling at me. Yeah, that makes me happy. That's all I need in a day is a smile from my wife. Um, she's also doing a women's Bible study. Uh, hers is going to be Monday night, 6.30 to 8. So see Angie about her women's Bible study. I think it's fierce, right? So uh, she's going to be studying. So great opportunities, like Stacy said before, for women to get together. I know Karen and Stephanie Following the Jewish Jesus, they're having a life group. We introduced them last week. Um, so chain breakers, Collison, Collison, Robin, don't wave, stand. I want to see your beautiful face. There you go. They do chain breakers, yes. Uh, they do an amazing job with chain breakers. They've done it for a, a good while now. They have a great group of got, uh, ladies, men and women that get together to encourage one another through life. Uh, and so it's just a, a real good intimate group. Uh, but they're always looking for people to come and join them. So Chain Breakers, uh, come see Collison and get more details about that. And then we got Bill and Cheryl. Bill, right here, stand up. Cheryl. So I think she, uh, uh, but Bill right here, he's got uh, a Hebrews group, uh, group. Me and him work together on that. He does more of the work. I just more join in. Uh, but Bill has, uh, uh, we studied the book of Hebrews. As a matter of fact, come on, Bill. He wanted to share something this morning, so I'm going to give him a few minutes here just to share Hebrews. Thanks, Pastor. Let me stand up here. I'm kind of a short guy. Uh, we are starting this uh, Thursday for our life group in the book of Hebrews. Actually, this Thursday is going to be a cookout. Uh, it's going to be kind of a kickoff for our life group. And it will be at our home. And uh, uh, when if you come and see me over the side, I'll tell you where that address is. And we'll get it uh, straightened out that way. Now, this is actually a continuation from last spring. And uh, we will, the very first session, have a review of what we have covered. So 
Newcomers are welcome. Even though uh, we've covered a portion already of Hebrews, we'll get you up to speed with that first session so that uh, uh, you can enjoy uh, the book of Hebrews with everyone else. On that cookout, we're going to have uh, hamburgers and hot dogs. We'll be providing that. And uh, we ask that if you come to bring uh, a side dish and uh, maybe a dish of uh, your favorite dish or something of that, that, nat uh, that nature. It's going to be outside. There will be games for kids, so bring your family uh, and uh, just let me know how many are coming so we have enough hot dogs and hamburgers. Uh, if it's raining, we'll bring it on inside. We have some room enough for that, but there will be games for the kids and perhaps also for the adults. At that meeting or at that cook uh, kickoff, we're going to discuss when is the best time for the group to meet. Uh, now, this Thursday, we will uh, have the get-together around 5 or thereafter, uh, but uh, the, the cooking will be at 6. But after that, we want to know from you what would be a good time for you to meet. So I'll be over here, and uh, uh, my name is Bill. You'll see my name tag, and if you want to come or ask some questions, you're free to do that. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, Bill, uh, he does a very detailed verse-by-verse -verse discussion. Like I said, we've already started it. A uh, whole semester we got through probably uh, not even half of the book of Hebrews. Uh, but it's just a, if you want to really dive deep into the Word of God and into a book, Hebrews is a great book. Bill has got lots of education behind him as far as he's been a professor. So great teaching there. So just great opportunities. We want you to, you're going to get a lot on Sundays because Brad's going to feed you up on Sundays. But Brad would be the first one to say you need something throughout the week to continue to dive into the Word of God. To grow in your, as, as you grow in the Word of God, you're growing your faith. And as you grow in your faith, when Satan, like he came to Jesus Christ and tempted Jesus, Satan used scripture at Jesus. But Jesus Christ corrected Satan to use the scripture correctly. So how are we to use scripture correctly unless we study it? And I think studying, God has intended for Bible studying to not just be individual, but to be group. Uh, like it's got to be done in groups. Because as we study in groups, the Holy Spirit speaks through the group to help us to learn more about what the scripture is, is, is telling us. So, so a lot of great opportunities for you to get plugged in. Uh, again, at the end of church, go see a life group leader, get plugged in, get some details. And uh, if you have any questions, come see me. If you have an idea for a life group, you say, I want to do a life group for mechanics. And, you know, I want to see you get your mechanics together because I got cars that need to be worked on. So, so if you want to start a life group for mechanics, it's just a great opportunity to, to work together, to serve together. If you want a life group and you think, I got an idea, but I'm not sure how, that's my job. Come see Pastor Tim and say, hey, Pastor Tim, I got an idea. I don't know how it will work. Uh, because I'm always, people come to me and say, hey, I want to get plugged in. Well, if I got you that want to start a group, I'll funnel people to your direction so you can get uh, people in your life group. So let's work together as a body of Christ so we can have a great journey through this life. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for just being a part of Impact Church. You have brought together a great family that wants to love you and wants to worship you. 
And Father, as we get close to you, Father, we just get your heartbeat. And your heartbeat is to serve the people around us. And we do love serving this community. We love serving this high school at Jefferson Forest High School. And Father, we thank you for the opportunities we've been given to do that. And Father, we thank you for the people that want to join together in, in life group. Uh, small uh, groups of people that just want to study the word, encourage one another, pray for one another, and do life together. Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we just ask your blessings on this service. God, we pray everything we say and do to honor and glorify your name. Pray that someone here today, as they are dealing with some struggles that are unseen by anybody else, but you see their struggles, that they are encouraged today, Father, by the word of God as Brad preaches it, and they're given hope, they're given excitement as they realize that you, God, love them and care for them. Even in the struggle they're going through, they're not going through it alone, that you, God, walk with them. God, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So glad to have you with us in worship this morning, Impact Family. Let's stand together as we sing, would you please?
Praise the Lord. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Our God does great things. Amen. We serve an awesome and a great God. I'm so thankful that he makes a way where there seems to be no way. He is the way maker. Worship him today. work. 
working, you never stop, never stop working, you never stop, never stop working. I'm so thankful that you're trustworthy, you're faithful. We know you're the way maker because that is who you are. God, and that's what you do. God, we love you. We thank you for providing the, the help that we need when we need it. God, we lift our eyes up to the hills. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God, we love you. We worship you. Thank you. Arrested in my life began. 
Praise God for his transforming power in our lives. Welcome to Impact Church this morning. How's everybody doing? All right. Good. I hope you're excited to be in the house of the Lord. A little cooler morning here, I I guess, helps a little bit. It's crazy that it started out in the upper 50s, but it's going into the 90s. It only happens in Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Um, And I noticed there's this, like, avoided hot spot over here next to this window. We're like, dude, I am not sitting right there. When the sun hits me, I'm burning. So uh, welcome to Impact Church this morning. If you're visiting with us, maybe it's your first, fifth, 20th time, whatever it is, and you're searching for a church home, a place to really get plugged in, a place to belong, we hope the Lord would anchor you and lead you right here. God's doing an amazing work, and we would love for you and your family and friends to be a part of what God's doing through this church. Uh, We're just getting started. I'm not even seven years old yet. And uh, this is not our uh, final place of meeting. The Lord has led us to 45 acres of land we have over here in Forest, which we are currently developing, um, moving one piece of dirt at a time. It's going kind of slow, but that's all right. Um, the good things are about to happen this week because, uh, from my understanding, weather uh, permitting, the stem walls around the building will all be poured this week, and very soon thereafter, a building should be erected on that, and we can get going. So uh, be in prayer over that. Um, that's just simply going to be a tool. Um, that we're going to use to reach the community further for Jesus. It's going to be a place to be used all week long, not just on Sundays. And uh, so God's uh, moving, doing a, a great work through that. And then being a part of uh, all the ministries that uh, God's allowed us to put on through this church, get plugged in with life groups, um, be a part of uh, getting plugged in, serving in some way. Uh, God's really using Rick and, and FCA in this football program down here. 43 kids this week, 61 the previous week. We're... we're uh, God's just moving, doing a great work, and we would love for you to get plugged in in the various avenues that the Lord has, has allowed, so get involved. All right, we're going to dive right in, continuing in our sermon series that uh, we've entitled Barrier Breakers, Overcoming Life's Toughest Obstacles, and today uh, we have a, another tough one to uh, talk about that, that many of us struggle with, some at various levels, but we all struggle with in some form or fashion and that is overcoming strongholds or addictions, all right? So the title of today's message is Breaking Chains, okay? So we're going to take a, a biblical look at what God ha- has, has for us in overcoming this barrier, this obstacle that many of us face. You know, we're all very familiar in, in times of wars and uh, battles past of something called a POW, a prisoner of war. Very simply, that's where somebody, a soldier, has been taken captive because they were in the battle. Because they were oftentimes maybe 
behind enemy lines, and they got captured, and they've been put away and entrapped where they can't be set free. I want to tell you that there's many people today in our society and even in churches that are POWs of the spiritual war and battle that we're all in. And that's a battle against our enemy, the devil. That's a battle against our flesh. And that's a battle against the things of this world. And we're all inside of this battle. And oftentimes, there's POWs. There's prisoners of war taken from the things of this world, from our flesh, and who the enemy has deceived. And we feel trapped sometimes that, like, we just can't get out. And there's no hope. And there's never going to be a time where we're set free. But what we're going to see today is God has given us the means by which we can be set free. And it's all through Jesus. You see, Jesus won the victory. He's already put the ball over the fence for the walk-off home run. The game's won. But now he's invited us to run the bases. And in part of this, we're going to have resistance. We're going to have an enemy coming against us. We're going to have to wrestle with our flesh, the desires and the things of this world. And we're going to have to find ourselves in a battle where we have to have a new way of thinking. Or else we ourselves can become prisoners of war in this battle called life. So today we're going to see the good news of victory and how God has for us. And then also see the process by which it's very common for for us, if we're going to come out of any stronghold, come out of any addiction, what that process looks like. And we're going to see this in a very biblical picture. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Father, for who you are, that you are mighty. Father, that you are holy. Lord, that you are sovereign. Lord, that nothing surprises you. And that, Lord, you have the victory won. But, Lord, that doesn't mean that we're not in a battle. Lord, we're in and on a battlefield. This spiritual walk, this life of Christianity, Father, that you've invited us to run the bases on, Father, is on a battlefield. It's not on a playground. So, Lord, I I pray, Father, today as we dive into your word and and we talk about a very sensitive subject, a subject that may hit home to just about everybody here in some facet because we all know somebody, a friend, a family member, or even ourselves that are struggling with something. So, Lord, I pray that you would move, that you would speak, that you would direct, Father, and that you would give hope and life like only you can. So, Lord, I pray that we would be doers of your word and not hearers only, Lord, that you would move in us, that we would be different, that we would be changed, leaving here, Father, compared to where we were when we came in. And Lord, you get all the glory for that. We praise you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you have a copy of God's word, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. That'll be where we'll be for the start of our message today. But in introduction, in reading that, we all know that there's different things we all struggle with when you talk about strongholds or addictions or things that we get kind of stuck on or caught up in. 
And we've gone through a lot of them in this sermon series already where we've talked about overcoming anger, overcoming bitterness, overcoming pride. That's a huge one. You want to talk about a stronghold? You might say, oh, I don't need this message, Brad. I'm okay. Everybody in this place, you struggle with pride at some level. You do, right? And some at significant levels where you always got to be in charge. You got to be in everything. You've got to run the show. You've got to do this. There's pride that we all deal with. Some of us, we've already talked about in one of the sermon series, uh, one of the messages in this sermon series, um, stronghold of materialism, love of money. How about that one? That's a hard one to overcome in our society. But then, of course, there's the obvious addictions that we all think about when we say the word addiction or stronghold. And, of course, that's with alcohol, drugs, pornography, sexual perversion or addiction, food and gluttony, other disorders around that, anorexia, bulimia, all kinds of obsessive-compulsive disorders, a lot of strongholds that we wrestle with and deal with and can be caught up in, right? And in fact, there's a whole industry today that's aimed at helping people be released from the vice grips of whatever has them pinned and held captive. We know when we talk about addiction and especially in substance abuse in our society today that it's on the rise. Since 2020, since COVID, um, things have come unglued mentally in our society. And of course, substance abuse has a lot to do with that as people continuously pour things into their body to try to numb the pain, to try to make them find happiness or forget their problems. In, two, uh, in 2017, it was every one in seven people had some type of substance abuse disorder. Most of that was with alcohol, one in every 10. Now, in 2023, in this world that we live in, we know that hell has changed and it starts hitting home a lot earlier with these substances and things as they're exposed to our children, even at really young ages. Used to be a high school thing to have to worry about this stuff. Now it's middle school, guys. It's middle school where this stuff starts. And that's why we like to have our middle schoolers and high schoolers in the service every week because how many of you know they need the message of the word of God strongly just like the adults do? Maybe even more so in this world we live in. Because here's a, a statistic for today, and I'm not going to bore us with all the statistics. You can Google them all yourself. But right now, this was a scary one. One half of 12-year-olds and older today have used some type of illicit drugs. It is a middle school problem now, guys. That is a 6th and 7th grader is what that is. And you don't think we're in a battle. And you don't think there's a war for the mind trying to create strongholds in us to take us out. So therefore, we need to seek God's word today on how to defeat these strongholds before they get started, and even after they get started, how we defeat them. We know there's stories of complete and immediate deliverance from addictions when somebody comes to Christ. I've heard those stories. You've heard those stories in fact, one of uh, Braden's baseball coaches um, and, and the team he uh, just played for won the state championship, by the way. And, and one of his coaches has an um, amazing testimony about a life of addiction and alcohol and different things. And, and he came to Christ and, and the immediate deliverance was there in Jesus. Praise God for that. God can do that, right? And I thought about having his testimony up here today because it's so powerful. But I was scared of this. You see... Yes, that is a beautiful thing. That's what God can do because that's who he is. But often, more often than not, we see the process of coming out of an addiction to be a process in a journey. 
So I didn't want Satan to do what we're already talking about and create a mental stronghold in you because of that and say, well, there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with God because that's not my story. So we know that God can do the miraculous. He can deliver immediate. But so often God takes us through a process. And in that, we become salt and light to other people who are going through a process as well. All right? And so what we need to know is, is that the development of an addiction to something often starts in the brain, starts in the mind, believe it or not. Even once the first hit, the first sip, the first whatever has taken place that starts to develop in the body, the brain actually starts to change. Did you know that? That's where the chemicals, the alcohol, the drugs, nicotine, whatever, it, it, it affects our mind. And, and that's why we're not to be controlled by it in any form or fashion, all right? So what happens is, is there's a areas of the brain called the basal ganglia, the extended amygdala, and the, prefer, and the prefrontal cortex. All of these areas are responsible and active in the onset, development, and maintenance of an addiction. Did you know that? The onset, development, and maintenance of an addiction. So we know we start to see this aspect that the mind starts to take place. And oftentimes we know there's learned behaviors in the developmental years that, that ingrain patterns in us where it's harder to break free later in life. It's proven that if a kid gets hold of, of illicit drugs or alcohol at a younger age, like 12, 13 years old, they're more likely to develop a stronger addiction to have to wrestle with. But these patterns become ingrained. Because why? Because their brains are developing. They're still not mature yet. Specifically, there's an area of the brain called the mesolimbic dopamine pathway. It's the reward circuit of the brain. And this is where a lot of addictions start to play in and take effect within our mind because it's a reward system and our brain craves more and wants more. And it starts to change the way we think. I want us to get that picture. So here's what we need to know. In treating and coming out of addiction, obviously, there's treatment processes that we'll need to go in. If it's alcohol or drugs, yeah, you, you're going to need detox. You're going to need a, a lot of recovery steps and processes that we need to walk through physically, right? But then also, we have to go back and find the source of the addiction to fight it. Because how many of you know, if you just fight the symptoms and not the source, you're going to stay sick? We know this to be true in our bodies. Let's say you have a sinus infection, all right? And you're going to run a fever, and you're going to have all kinds of gooey stuff in your head, right? And there's a lot of things you can take to treat the symptoms. You can take Tylenol to knock down the fever and ibuprofen. But if you never go and get an antibiotic to kill the bacteria, are you ever going to get well? No. As a matter of fact, there's scary stories of people that their sinus infections never got treated, and it got it in their brain and took them out. So we can treat the symptoms, treat the symptoms. We can just, oh, you got to stop that. You got to stop this. You got to stop drinking this. Got to stop doing this. You got to stop this. We can treat symptoms, and that's all good. But if we never treat the source, then we're never going to get well. Because what can happen is if we just treat symptoms, 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 we can step from one stronghold addiction right into another. You can go from alcohol to porn. You can go from drugs to nicotine. You can go from nicotine to food. Because why? 
because you've, you've handled the symptoms of one thing, but you've jumped right into something else because the source has not been dealt with. And that's where we need to deal with the source. And that's where God's word is going to help tremendously and give us some light on how to break chains like this in strongholds. All right? Because we know addiction, as we've said, obviously there's mental changes, very well documented scientifically, mental changes and effects that happen. But I want you to think about this. Before the first sip, before the first hit, before the first you fill in the blank is ever done, what has to happen before that process starts? There has to be something going on up here, right? You see, think about this. But before, you know, say the first sip of alcohol that turns into a monster of addiction that controls your life later in life, before that first sip, there's a couple of different things probably going on. One of which, if you're a teenager, is probably you have a love of the world. That could be a thing. That you think the world is more appealing than a life in Christ. It's worldliness. It's the battle in our mind. You might think that you would need to fit in. You might need to do what other people of the world are doing so you can feel like you're accepted, so that you can feel like you're loved. So again, there's a process going on in your mind where you don't feel loved. You don't feel accepted. You don't feel like you're enough. So you have to do things that you never thought you would do just to be accepted, and it turns into a monster that controls your life. So there's, at the beginning, at the very beginning, before anything's ever taken, there's a mental process. There's a, there's a, a stronghold going on in the mind. Oftentimes, other ways that substance abuse especially gets started are different things is from a lot of things we talked about. There's hurt in your life. There's, there's pain, physical pain, mental pain, uh, relational pain, emotional pain. And oftentimes, people look for ways to numb that or get rid of that. And it can lead into, obviously, addictions. So at the very start, before the first thing is ever taken, there's a, there's a mental battle. I want us to get that picture. Right now, wherever you are in your life, there's a mental battle you're fighting. Every single day. I fight one every single day. If I do, I know you do. All right? And it's hard. And there's a lot of things that the enemy wants to try to throw at us. There's a lot of things the world puts in front of us. And there's a lot of things that, that, that our flesh wants to go to. Just to make ourselves feel better or, or to find our way. So we want to get that picture first of this stronghold and this mental battle that we're in. And now I want to read our passage and, and look through it and then move into another passage that's going to tell us these steps, these processes of what it looks like coming into a process of change of life, a change of direction. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to read verse 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Somebody say strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So, Where's the context? Because context, context, context is king. In this situation, Paul here is addressing the church at Corinth, which he had started that now has had false teachers wreak havoc inside the church with preaching things that were contrary to the word of God and leading people away from the, the truth of God's word and his righteousness and the new life in Christ and leading them back into worldliness and carnality in a different way of thinking. Okay? So... 
these deceivers were basically stirring up division as such. And many started to resist Paul and his message of truth that he had presented and that he continued to present. So now we have this kind of picture of where Paul is and what he's dealing with. Carnality, false teaching, all through reindoctrination of false teaching, which starts where? Mind. Right? Okay? It's trying to change people's way of thinking. The enemy wants to change the way you think about God's word and truth. He wants to get you messed up so that you can start thinking differently and worldly. And then he can develop a stronghold. So Paul's coming against this. All right. So basically, Paul's challenging these people, this church at Corinth, to resist that. All right. So he's, again, going to try to pull down the strongholds in their mind that are being developed. That's putting up walls of resistance. I want you to think about that. A stronghold puts up a wall of resistance in your mind so that the new direction that God wants to take you is not going to happen on its own. It's got to be done through the Spirit of God. We're going to see that, all right? Because Paul's going to point right to that. He's going to say basically that there's a spiritual attack on your mind. He puts this emphasis right there. That there is a spiritual warfare attack on your mind. And that message is going to close us at the end of this sermon series here in uh, four more weeks. All right? About this spiritual warfare, mental battle, overcoming the spiritual battle and demonic influence, worldly influence, and fleshly influence that we all face. All right? But he is saying that, hey, there's something, there's a battle for your mind taking place that, get this, that because there's a change in the way you're thinking in this new direction and you, fall, you fell for this, now it's manifesting itself in the physical. Okay? So yes, because you're thinking this way differently, you've deviated from the truth, you've got this mental stronghold, now it's led to immorality, carnal living, this new direction, this resistance to God's truth. So it's manifested itself in the physical, but it has a very real spiritual start. All right? And mental start in this stronghold. Okay, so Paul is coming at this from the idea of, hey, we've got to take down this stronghold, this block. This word stronghold here in the Greek is okura, aruma. Yeah, let's get that and get some of that. All right. So, but basically, what it means is, is to fortify or a fortress. So, I want you to think of a barrier. And what's the title of our sermon series? Barrier breakers. So this is a very real barrier that presents itself at the start of any kind of deviation from God's word. Again, so this stronghold doesn't necessarily have to be in the form of a, a substance abuse addiction. This stronghold can present itself in holding on to bitterness, anger, not being able to tame the tongue, right? Pride, everything that we've talked about. But it can and, and will oftentimes lead to us trying to fill ourselves with other things, okay? So Paul says here very clearly that we're going to depend on spiritual weapons for this warfare, okay? We're going to depend on the, basically the power of God to pull down these walls, these strongholds. We're not going to rely on human strategy or wisdom, but power supplied by the Lord on the mental side of the battle, okay? So 
in context here as well, of course, talking when you think about substance abuse, there's a very real physical side, again, detox, like we talked about, getting help, getting counsel help, whatever, that we need to go through to walk through the processes of recovery, okay? But on the mental, spiritual side, we have to break down the source, the stronghold that's developed, okay? It's a source first symptom analogy again. So the spiritual battles for the mind and how it's manifested presents itself in the physical, okay? Because addiction's got something behind it, either ungodly patterns of thinking that leads to worldly living from the start or so much pain, hurt, being wounded, negative thinking that leads to taking steps to numb the pain, all right? So I don't know if you know this or not, but all of us in the church, all of those who walk with Christ, we're not exempt from this struggle, from this mental battle. We're not. How many of you know when you came to Christ that you, your flesh didn't disappear? <laughs> right? Amen. Right? Mine didn't. And I know yours didn't. And then we're going to see that even Paul still struggled with this, the very one writing about coming o- overcoming these strongholds. All right? Our flesh didn't disappear when we come to Christ. All right? We live in this world and our enemy is real, and the spiritual attack is real. Every single bit of it, all right? But although we live in this world, we're not supposed to be of this world, all right? A boat was created to be in what? Water. That's why you make a boat, all right? So that's cool. You think, oh, the boat's supposed to be in water, so that we can let a little water in the boat then. What's the problem? Sinks. You got it. You see, the boat that was created to be in the water, beautiful, but the boat was not created for the water to be in it. Ladies and gentlemen, your life in Christ is the same. You're created to be in this world, but not of this world, and not let the world get in you, okay? When that happens, bad things happen, okay? So we see the source for a symptom. We know we're battling the flesh, even Though we've come to Christ, there's still this war, this battle within us. That's why we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. All right, we're going to see that. All right, so we need to be aware of this because here's the situation. When you come to Christ, some of us come to Christ later in life, and we had many years in this world, right? And as such, our flesh becomes so well trained in the ways and the patterns of this world that if, it was, if we were just left to ourselves and we didn't have the Spirit of God now to plug in to and, 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 and surrender to, if we were left to our flesh, our flesh will dominate us. It will rule us if we let it, okay? And that's where we get this call to denial, self-denial, all right? Crucifying the flesh that we're going to see. Paul even had the struggles against the flesh. If you read Romans chapter 7, you can read starting in verse 14 to the end where, where he was wrestling as well. One of the most godly men probably to, to walk to earth, wrote most of the New Testament, had struggles between the flesh and the spirit. Did you know that? That's a natural thing still. But the victory is gained in a certain place. And, and this is what's beautiful. I love what Paul says here in the middle of that passage in Romans 7. I'm going to read uh, Romans 7, verse 22 and 23 for you. Here, and this is in the New Living Translation. It says, I love God's law with all my heart. That's proof of the Spirit of God right there. If you love God's word, you know that you've got the Spirit of God in you, right? Because our flesh by itself doesn't love that. So I love God's law. I love God's word with all my heart. But then he says this, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. Where was that war? My mind. 
a stronghold, a mental battle, wants to change my way of thinking, wants to get me all jacked up in here so I do things to, to gratify my flesh. And it says, this power, this power that tries to overtake my mind makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Did you catch that? If we're not careful, we can give in to our flesh, give in to the strongholds in the battle of our mind that'll change how we act. If you uh, see Revelations, I'm sorry, if you see uh, Romans 6, Paul previously said that we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. But then how does that take place? What does that look like in so many ways? Let me read for you. Flip over just a few pages and let's check out Galatians chapter 5. Because Paul, again, writing in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25, is going to further explain this battle. How many of you guys ever watch cartoons when you're little, right? Anybody watch cartoons? Oh, come on, y'all watch cartoons, man. Y'all just lay don't raise your hand. But I'm going to date myself a little bit here because I'm old. And, and the big cartoon that was popular when, when I was little was Tom and Jerry. Man, I love me some Tom and Jerry. I, I'd still watch Tom and Jerry if it came on, you know what I'm saying? But I love Tom and Jerry. And so many times, this is what's cool, and it happens in other cartoons as well, where maybe Tom was getting kind of... Um, in this dilemma about what he should do and there would be this little devil on one shoulder and this little angel on the other shoulder come on y'all with me right and the, the little devil would whisper come on Tommy and then the little angel would whisper and then the little devil would whisper and then the little angel would whisper well guys we get that very kind of funny picture but I want to tell you that's a very real thing that you and I wrestle with is which direction are we going to give in to? Which dog are we going to feed, in other words? Because the dog we feed is the dog that's going to win. All right? So we have this scenario here that Paul's going to give that reminds me directly of that little Tom and Jerry scenario here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. But what we're going to see is it's not the devil that makes us do it. Eve, remember Eve tried that. Well, God, it was that snake, you know what I'm saying? Nah, there was something else. All right, yeah, the snake's going to tempt you. It's going to appeal to your flesh. The world's going to appeal to your flesh. But James is very clear. We all sin when we're drug away by what? Our own selfish desires, our flesh. Okay? Let's read. Verse 16, chapter 5, Galatians. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There you go. There's the power over the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. You can't do what you want. You can't just live the way you want. Yeah, you're free in Christ. But Paul said earlier, don't lose your freedom to indulge the, the flesh. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Let's keep reading verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. 
And those who are Christ, get this, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Underline that, circle that, highlight that, memorize that. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Doesn't mean we're still not at war with it. Doesn't mean we're still not going to battle with it. We already heard Paul talk about that. Okay, But this is where... The, the rubber meets the road in Christ. I'm done with my flesh. I'm done with worldly living. I don't want to do it anymore. Yes, I'm going to trip and mess up, but that's not my heart's desire. See the difference? I'm not going to make excuses for it. I'm not going to say I'm free in Christ so I can live the way I want and live in the world. Thank God for his grace. More grace, more grace. Remember Paul said that. Should we just sin more so that grace can abound? Absolutely not. Amen. All right. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Mm. If we're going to claim it, let us walk it. And the Spirit of the Lord is the only one that can give us the strength to do that. We have to deny ourselves. We have to crucify our flesh. We have to have a new way of thinking, right? Okay? It's Romans 12, verse 2. Don't conform to the patterns of this world anymore. How do I do that, God? but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The spiritual battle, the stronghold has to be defeated here through the word of God, through his spirit, all right? So thoughts contrary to the, the truth of God's word form a mental wall of resistance, a stronghold. That's what Paul was alluding to here that had happened in the church in Corinth from the false teaching and doctrine and carnality that had leaked in, all right? So Paul faced this stronghold and was looking to overcome it in a spiritual battle through weapons, that have divine power to break down and win that mental battle, okay? So the believer's approach to pulling down stronghold is going through this word, letting the truth of God be in you. We're renewed, we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, man, I'm going to tell you, we live in the world. Remember, we go back to that water analogy in the boat. We live in the world, and we get the world pumped into us seven days a week. Hours upon hours upon hours again. I didn't get statistics of how many hours people sit on, on their phone, how many hours people sit on TV. We get the world pumped in us, how many hours we sit in radio. With, and, and we get the world just infiltrated into our mind, don't we? Hours and hours and hours and hours a week. But somehow we believe that one hour on Sunday is enough to combat it. And then we get mad if it goes over that. I'm going to tell you, you need to be in God's word. Yes, you need to be in church. Yes, we need to be filled with the Lord. But, but we need to be in God's word daily, regularly. Let the word of God just start to renew and change our mind. That's why it's important to get plugged into life groups and Bible study. And man, yeah, I know life's busy. I'm busy too. But man, we don't, if we don't, we're, let, we're going to just let the boat fill up with water. And there's something cool in a boat called a bilge pump where you flip that thing on and it gets, gets the water out. We need to, so, so many ways, turn on our spiritual bilge pump and pump the world out and renew our mind and be transformed. And that's what God wants to do in us. Win the spiritual battle. Take down the strongholds of the mind. It's kind of like the, the walls of Jericho, right? Remember that? Walls of resistance, if you will, that God's people had to conform to God's way, walk in obedience to God's commands in order for those walls to come down, didn't they? And it was God's battle. It was God's victory. But they had to do it God's way for that to take place. The same is true 
for us. What is this way? Deny self, crucify the flesh, submit to God and the authority of Christ and his word and get a new way of thinking and a transformation of the mind to break down the stronghold. Because what are these strongholds or these uh, fortifications, if you will, that we face? In verse 5 there of our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, Paul started to really kind of develop what that was. Because right after he said strongholds, all right, to, these are divine power to take down strongholds. Let's go back to it. What did it say? In verse 5, it says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is a stronghold? What is, this, what is this thing that starts to develop, that changes our way of thinking, that leads us into patterns of worldliness? And yes, even the patterns of addiction and stuff before we even take the first hit, before we take the first sip. It's, it's arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What is that? Arguments. Think about this. Philosophies. Reasonings. Schemes of the world. Yeah, those are arguments. That there's another way to, to do life. That's your truth, but this is my truth. Heard that a lot, hadn't you, in this world? Well, you're just more spiritual than I am. Philosophies, different ways of thinking, different ways of living. These are the arguments that come against the truth of God. What would be the pretensions or the every high thing that lifts itself up? That's anything proud, anything man-centered, anything self-confident. Boy, you hear that all over the place, even inside the church. All kinds of, of, of self-centered doctrine theology today. That it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about making me feel good. That's why people run to the teachers that tickle their ears. They don't want to be confronted with the word of God because that means that I've got to somehow make this decision on whether I'm going to surrender to this, to this Lord that I, tr that I call Lord or am I going to still make myself Lord. And see, if I'm not confronted with God's word, then, then I can still call him Lord, but really I'm my own Lord. And people flock to that today. We're living in that time. It's what Paul told Timothy would come. We know that as a part of this, uh, uh, that this mental battle, a lot is, is the enemy. Again, we're going to close our sermon series with that. And um, this spiritual attack, this demonic attack on our, on our lives, our minds, our families, our churches, our society, that wants to drag us in to things. Because how many of you know that if you've ever struggled with anything, anything we've talked about in the past few weeks, whether it be pride, anger, anything, money, materialism, all the way down to addictions, or maybe you've just struggled with youthful lusts, sinful lifestyles and patterns, having a worldly outlook on life, those are strongholds. Those are mental ways of thinking that need to be broken through the truth of God's word. So what does that process look like? We've got, and we know where the tool is, where the battle's to be won. What does it look like and fleshed out? I'm going to go to a story that we're all familiar with, but um, maybe hadn't looked at it in this way in terms of what the processes were in this recovery, in this return. And it's the story of the prodigal son. And we know this story well because... It was a, a son who was with his father in a great environment, and, and he had come to the point where he had got all these, uh, this inheritance from his father, and he went, and he went to a far country, and he just blew it. 
He lived in worldly patterns and situations. And then this process of coming out is what we're going to see and grab some quick points from on what the process of, of a life change process looks like. Whether that be a total life change process and coming to Christ, right, and, and what God wants to lead us through in the sanctification process. But also steps we see in breaking down strongholds and recovering from, yes, even processes such as addiction. So let me read Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read verse 11 through 16 to get us started. Luke Chapter 15, verse 11 through 16. I'm going to read it in the uh, New Living Translation. It says, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. A younger son, the younger son told his father, I want, the sh- I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, This younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. So we know this story very well. And first of all, we want to see that, you know, from the outside, we see this story start to develop. And we know that, man, not great things are getting ready to happen, right? That there's about to be a a defeat to take place, okay? How many times do you look at somebody who's who's deviated, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a close friend, and from the outside perspective, you could, you could just say, man, this ain't going to go well for you. If you keep going down this path, man, you're heading the wrong direction. Bro, man, you're heading 100 mile an hour for a wall or a cliff, and it's not going to look pretty. Wake up, right? It's so many times what we want to say. This isn't the way. This isn't. I know it looks like the way, but it's not the way. You're deceived. You need to step out and get a new perspective because this isn't right. So we see this in this story. And then we see what it cost him. First of all, we see this, in a way, this mental stronghold that had developed because he went to his dad with a purpose to ask for the money. And he already knew what he was going to do. What was his desire? I want to go live for the world. I want to go. I want to get out of here. This isn't fun. I feel like I'm missing out on life. I need to go experience all what's out there, man. You've got me all huddled up in here, Dad. I need to go out there and live it up, man. All, everybody's having fun out there. You ever thought like that? Yeah, man, that's what, that's what Satan wants to eat you up with. You're missing out if you live a life in Christ. You miss out if you stay in your father's house. You need to get out there in the world, live it up. Come on. And that's what he wanted. The stronghold had already started before he took the first step out of his father's house. He had already mentally lost the battle because he thought the world was more appealing than what his father had for him. You see that? He asked for the money and then went. All right? He already knew where he wanted to go. And we see he lost it all. He lost everything and come down to nothing. How many of you know and experienced yet that living in worldliness and sin is going to cost you something? 
Living in worldliness and sin will cost you something. It will. He lost everything. But yet he still goes down this path. Do you see at the point where he lost everything? That's not what changed him? It's like so many times we think, well, man, if somebody gets to the end of themselves and then once they lose everything, then they'll finally turn back around and come to the Lord. Not necessarily. Why? Because you're treating a symptom and not the, the source. We need to go back to the source of why he wanted to leave in the first place. Why he thought the world was more appealing. How about you? That's the source you need to defeat. Why is the world more appealing to you? What are you looking for? What's the source of your issue, of your problem, whatever you wrestle with, pride, materialism? What's the source of that? Because you can treat the symptom and you'll go right to something else. Or you'll stay in a pattern, a destructive pattern in another way. So... He even stays in the situation so bad, finds him a job feeding pigs, trying to figure it out on his own, try to fight through in his own strength, and starts eating pig slop. Boy, I, I love the, the kind of imagery there, that when we choose to stay in the world instead of return to our Father's house and live in the abundance that God wants to have for us, we're, we're metaphorically eating pig slop compared to what we could be eating. But again, you've got to go back and treat the source because it's the real problem. And if it's not dealt with, you'll continue in self-destructive behavior. So here's a question. What price has worldliness, wild living, addictions, whatever, you fill in the blank, what price has it cost you? And you can say right now it's time to get out. Or maybe you could objectively take a step out and say, what is it going to cost me if I don't get out? God wants to set you free. It's going to be a mental stronghold that needs to be broken in a new way of thinking. Luke 15, 17 through 24, we're going to get the ways to close up real quick because I know we're at the end. We got a late start and I didn't get up here till late, but... Uh, Y'all just have to forgive me because I want to close this out. I don't want to cut God's word short um, because we wanted to do some announcements at the beginning. So here we go. All right. Luke chapter 15, verse 17 through 24. Luke chapter 15, verse 17 through 24. We're going to read this and get this process to the, that's developed. Start in verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Verse 17, right off the bat, after we saw the problem in the initiation, what changed? What started? Verse 17, 
your first point for your uh, keys to a renewed life of, of taking down a stronghold is wake up to self-realization. Wake up to self-realization. It says when he finally came to his senses, it wasn't when he lost everything. It wasn't even when he was eating pig slop. He come to his senses. Now, hold up. I want to be different. I don't want to do this. I want to tell you right now, spiritually, that is led by the Spirit of the Lord and his word. That's why you have to get it in you. That is the only thing that's going to turn your mind around right there. That's where the spiritual battle in the stronghold starts to be taken down. He finally came to his senses. So it didn't happen when people started yelling at him or screaming at him. It didn't happen when people started shaming him. It didn't even happen when people started beating him over the head with the Bible. It happened when he had a change of mind, a mental stronghold that had to be broken down and say, hold up. I need something new, something different. And we know this. We can't decide that for people, for loved ones, for friends. We can't decide when they get better. It has to be on, on their own mind, their own desire. We can make somebody go to rehab. We can make somebody join a group. But if they don't want to help themselves until they have a mental stronghold broken down, they will never get better. It won't happen. They got to say, I don't want to live this way anymore. They got to have a mental stronghold broken down. Because again, remember at the start of it was a seeking of the world or a way to fill up some pain and hurt in their life. And they need this change of mind that's going to lead to a change of direction and a change of action. Number two, in verse 18, we see it's confession. Confession is the second point that has to happen. Admit to the sin and hurt that it's caused. And that's exactly what he did here in verse 18. I'll go home to my father and say, I've sinned against both heaven and you. It's confession. They realize that, hey, what I'm doing is wrong. This stuff is bad. This stuff is not good. And I've caused a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And I've sinned. And it's my own fault. There's a a lot of things that keep people from wanting to confess, and first of all, it's blame. People want to blame everybody else for the reason they are the way they are and the things that they've fallen into. And if you keep wanting to blame somebody else, you're never going to get better. And you too, you take ownership for it yourself, of this is what I've done that's wrong. Fear is another reason to keep people wanting to confess. Because obviously it's easier to stay in the comfort of the addiction than to come out and know what that life looks like without this. Fear of being scared to give up control of using. Because deep down inside, there's a, there's a certain feeling of control because the rest of your life is out of control and chaos. That Maybe that's what led to you in the first place. So this is my one little way I feel like I'm in control. But it's a lie because you're not in control. It's in control of you. Shame. Shame just from coming out and everybody knowing that they're an addict and something's going on. Shame maybe from... The, the point where you're coming out and then you have to admit that you've relapsed and, there, and there's, there's been a setback. And a lot of this shame, I, I'm going to be sad to say, that people have experienced from church people. I'm going to tell you, that's not what God wants us to do, is to shame people that are trying to get help and trying to come out. 100%. We can't shame someone out of an addiction. God has called us to walk with people. And give them the same grace, mercy, and forgiveness that we've received from our Lord in our circumstances and situations. Now, that's not to say we need to coddle them or enable them. Because if we're not careful, we can do that as well. And that's not the message. But at the same point, we need to walk with them. The shame needs to be left outside the doors of the church. 
And people need to be free to come in and say, man, this is who I am. This is what I'm struggling with, and I want help. And we not shame them and run them off. Number three, you see this in verse 20. It's a, a turn and a journey back. There's a turn and a journey back. And you can write in parentheses there, it's proof of repentance. This is proof of repentance. You see, I can confess something and not repent. You know, I, I, can, I can admit that I'm wrong and I've caused a lot of pain, but, but there still not be an attitude of repentance in my heart where I want to go a new direction and change. You see, what repentance is, is a change of mind, right? If you get back to the meaning of the word. But that change of mind, that repentant change of mind, leads to a change of heart, which leads to a change of action. All right? So there's a, but there's a journey that takes place with this in this repentant process. Call it sanctification, if you will. That it's a process that God wants to walk us through. But it's a new direction desired and sought after and get this, fought for. You see, he had to make the effort. He was in a far country, guys. He had to make the effort to make the journey back. Nobody did it for him. He did it for himself. Did you catch that? Nobody swooped him up in a carriage, put him on a camel, said, you're coming with me whether you like it or not. He made the journey all the way back because he wanted something different. Today, God wants to break the mental stronghold and power and give you a new direction. And yes, you're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to deny your flesh, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him and fight for this new direction that God wants to lead you in. And he is faithful. And with that kind of heart, he honors that heart of humility and repentance. Inside of this journey, this is where accountability and patience are key. Because healing is a process. Did you know that? We would all admit that healing is a process physically. I mean, if you broke your arm, would I expect you tomorrow or next week to be able to turn around and throw a ball? No. Because you've got to heal. I'm a physical therapist. You tear your rotator cuff. I know there's a long process of recovery before that arm's functional again. Healing is a process. It's just as much of a process Mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as it is physically. Number four, healing takes place in community. Healing takes place in community. How many of you know you're not meant to do life on your own? Man, when God, when God created Adam, man, and, and he looked at him after everything is created and it was good, and, and after the day of rest, he came back and said, man, it's not good that man's alone. What? It's not good that man is alone. We were created for relationship, for community. That's why Ecclesiastes even said two are better than one. Because you get a better return for your labor. You can keep each other warm. And get this, if one of you fall, you got somebody to help you up. Woe to the man who falls and has nobody to help them up. Lone Ranger Christianity and coming out of strongholds is not going to work. Matter of fact, the more alone you are, the more likely you are to use. And to fall deeper into whatever's anchored you. We're meant to do life in community. Some of you will say, oh, all I need is Jesus. Yes, all you do need is Jesus. And Jesus, as part of you coming to him and intended for you to do life in community called the church. Amen. You need to be a part of the body of Christ. 100%. It's God's plan A. Amen. There is no plan B. 
God wants you to be plugged in, involved. Yes, regular attendance. That's not legalistic. That's desire. Yes, God wants you to be get into life groups, serve, be a part of the body. That's why it's so important. Yes, you can do life groups in the home or home church. God wants you to be plugged in and serve. Where are you serving? Where are you getting plugged in and involved? God intended for community. And that's where a lot of times the healing is going to help and take place. If it's in the right environment where there's no shame given, right? Go back to that. Because what did the father say? What's the first thing he did? Well, after he greeted him, brought him in the house. Brought him in the house. You see, when the father wants to run out and greet you, he's going to meet you where you're at. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. And while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. He's going to meet you where you're at, but he's not going to leave you where you're at. He's going to move you through the process of sanctification, and he's going to want to bring you into his house and get you involved in community and get other people around you. Because make no mistake, bad company corrupts good character. He wants to get you around some good character. No, not perfect. If you're looking for a church, a bunch of perfect people, and you find one, don't join it. You'll mess it up. No, we're not perfect. Yes, we're flawed. Yes, at many times we live hypocritically. But if the love of Christ is in our heart and we're surrendered to the same cause and the same word and the same Lord, then we can do life together and we can help each other. Which brings to the last point, number five, and that's celebrate the recovery. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? And I know Debbie and Dave, I guess that, whoo, whoo. Celebrate the recovery. At the end of that passage, what did it say? The party began. It's time that we start celebrating the recovery, the mental stronghold being broke down for the new direction that God wants to lead us in. We don't need to be focused on who we used to be. We focus on who Jesus wants us to be and is creating us and moving us to be. We don't focus on who people used to be and shame them. We focus on who God is creating them to be through his spirit. I end with the same example I've used a few weeks ago and another example, and I thought it was so fitting I'd do it again. And that's the example of coming out of this recovery and celebrating this recovery is like we do with a baby when he's taking his first steps. You know, when you're a child, you think back, those of you that are parents, when they started taking the first steps, when he took that first step, it was a monumental moment. It was, woo, yeah. But then what did he do? Probably after the first one or two steps, jabunk, <laughs> fell down. And then you say, come on, get up, do it again. You help him up. And then you encourage them to do it again. Take a few more steps this time. Oh, now it's three steps, four steps. Next week, it's 10 steps. And you celebrate the process of development. You see that? Nobody, no parent yells at their kid, gets mad and upset when they took five steps a second ago and they only took three steps this time. Or, oh, come on, I expected you. You just took five steps. I expected you to take 10 or 15 this time. We don't get upset at the child. Why do we get upset with each other or even ourselves in the process of recovery? We need to celebrate the steps that are taken and get around each other and encourage and help each other up and encourage more steps the next time. That's what God wants to do. And it starts to break down a mental stronghold in our mind that leads us to a new way of thinking. And get this, this can be preventative. Because God wants to break down a mental stronghold that may develop in you right now that would move you into an addiction or move you into something. He wants you to break down the mental stronghold now before things get started. Or like the prodigal son, even once things get started, you might say, hey, when I finally come to my senses, I want a new direction and a new life. That is the power of the Spirit of God 
that breaks down mental strongholds and addictions. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. I wonder if anybody in here might just, just be real honest without saying what it is. No one looking around, every eye closed, every head bowed. You can even do a little alligator hand raise if you want. You might just say, Brad, I'm struggling with something. Just something. I'm just struggling mentally. Would you raise your hand? I'm struggling with something. My hand's up. It's okay. This is a safe place. We all struggle with various things. Because we want to pray for you. And we want you to gain the victory over whatever has caused you to be a prisoner of war in your mind. And right now, the first step to that, and maybe there's somebody here, you might just be honest, say, Brad, I've never surrendered, committed my life to Jesus like you talked about. I've walked in and out of church doors. I know Jesus is God. I believe it. But I've never surrendered my heart to it. I've never just fell down and just made him Lord of my life. And if that's you, I wanted you to do that right now before you walk out of this place. Because that's your first step to overcoming any mental stronghold that we might wrestle with is having that power of the spirit to tap into so if that's you and you need to totally surrender your life to Jesus right now to just come and commit and entrust to him just do that right now I'm going to lead you through a prayer from your heart to God's heart and just know that it's more than, than the words of the prayer it's not magic words but it's with the heart that you believe and are justified is what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says is your heart ready to surrender for a new direction for a new life to surrender to Christ and come And then when you confess him as Lord and when you pray this from your heart to God's heart and do business with him, then you're saved. Or you might say, Brad, I've I've walked in and out of church doors a lot in my life. There was a time I committed my life to the Lord, man, and I walked with the Lord and I was on fire. But lately, man, life's happened and I've I've deviated. I've I've walked away. I'm like the prodigal son. I feel like I was once in my father's house and I've I've left for for whatever reason. And and I'm going to come running back today. If that's you, I want you to do business from your heart to God's heart with this same prayer right now and rededicate your life to him. So to surrender for the first time or rededicate just right now, just say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I've messed up. I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my Savior. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, God in the flesh, the spotless lamb, to die on a cross where his body was broken and his blood was shed that I could be forgiven, that I could be redeemed and restored and renewed. And Lord, thank you for raising him from the grave three days later, proving that he is God. And Lord, he stands in victory over all hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want to claim that victory right now in my life. Lord, I need it. I need the mental victory. I need the physical victory. I need the the spiritual victory right now that I'm only going to find in you. And Lord, my commitment to you is from this day forward with every step I take and every breath I make will be for your glory alone. Amen. If that's you and you did business with God right there for the first time or you rededicated your life, would you boldly and unashamed just say, Brad, I, I, I surrendered. I made a decision for Christ right there and I'm not ashamed. Would you pray for me? If that's you for the first time or to rededicate your life, and put your hand down. I'm going to close our service like we do every week right here and just... If God's doing a work in your heart, I'm just going to encourage you to put action with your feet to whatever that is. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing with all our heart. Let's sing with all our voice. And let's come right now as the Lord leads. Jesus at the center of it all.
church. Can we give Jesus a big round of applause for his word? Never returns void, and I know God's going to use it this week to help us break some chains. So I don't know if you noticed, but we do have, for anybody struggling in any way, we want to be a church that walks with you through the process. We have a group called Chain Breakers. Of course, you saw the name in the, the title of today, Breaking Chains, a chain breaker ministry that helps. We have Celebrate Recovery that helps. Celebrate Recovery, of course, meets on Sunday afternoons, 3 to 5, and uh, get plugged in, in in either one of those ministries. And it's for not just for uh, substance abuse addictions, but for any hurt, habit, or hang-up that you might be going through. You might be hooked up in, in, in pride, materialism, you name it, whatever else, struggling through with fear, um, anxiety, whatever the case may be, and uh, get in community and help walk out of that, all right? So we have ways to help. If you need uh, direction on that, you can come see one of us up front or uh, see Devin and Debbie and Dave in the back or Collison and them wherever they are as well. So Lord bless you guys. Go make an impact for Jesus. We'll see you next Sunday. Oh, life group leaders over on the side um, for getting plugged in. <laughs>